Welcome to Vets to PM's Military Transition Academy podcast, the show where we discuss how to succeed in transitioning from the military service to the civilian workforce. This show and the academy it represents helps veterans transition into meaningful, lucrative post-service careers. Your primary host is Eric Doc Wright, PhD, Certified Manager, Military Veteran, Serial Founder, Best-Selling Business Author, Philosopher, Linguist, and Coach. Your other host is Jeremy Burdick, Project Management Professional, Scrum Master, Product Owner, and Retired Air Force Chief, and the current COO of Vesta PM and the Professional Development Unit University, where we will interview veterans successful in corporate America and business to bring you nuggets of wisdom every episode to make you more successful. Next, let's introduce today's guest. Our special guest today is Robert Wagner, retired first sergeant in the Army and a 19Z Cavalry Scout who served on active duty for 20 years. Currently, Robert serves as the Learning and Development Specialist for North America at Ember Air, and I can't wait for you to get to know him, so let's get started. All right, today we got Robert Wagner on as a guest, and it's so nice to have you. Just tell us a little bit about, one, your military service, and then two, your transition, and then we'll go into where you are now. All right, awesome. Yeah, so I appreciate the opportunity to come and join you today uh, and kind of share my experience, uh, though it's limited on the transition side. I've only had about uh, nine months now, I guess, out of service. So I spent 20 years in the Army uh, as a reconnaissance or a cavalry scout. Uh, and so just recently, obviously, retired in, in June. And so uh, since that whole process, you know, it's probably been two years in the making, I guess, in that that world of transitioning, you know, planning before and then during and then after. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at today uh, as far as what I've done. So 20 years on a, a whole host of different positions. Uh, I retired as a first sergeant. Uh, I turned down promotion uh, in order to retire. Uh, but again, uh, it was just a decision that we thought was best for uh, our family at the time. That's interesting. So, I mean, just the, the, the cool Calvary scout thing, uh, enjoyed that went on to kind of a first sergeant role, probably less in the field, more into the, uh, human resources slash, uh, taking care of health, morale and welfare of the, of the troops. But then what, what triggered you to say, Hey, I'm going to turn down that promotion and uh, it's time. Like what, what inside you said that was enough. Yeah, I think for me, um, so I had been hearing kind of the rumblings of, uh, you know, your skills translate to the outside community. Like it's so desirable, like companies are, are biting for your type of personality and what you can bring to the organization. And I just really wanted the challenge. I felt like the military at itself, you know, I loved it. I appreciate everything the military offered me as far as opportunities for growth and development. Um, but I wanted to challenge myself. And, you know, the question was, is, you know, do I wait now? Do I go three years from now? Do I stay in to do five years to be, you know, a sergeant major or, you know, whatever. And I just kind of waited for a long time. And I just said, you know what, I really want to just, I want to grow. So I wanted to see if my skills actually translated uh, into the civilian sector. I wanted to identify if I, you know, uh, could, I guess, be successful outside of the military. Uh, and so it was just really just kind of taking a leap of faith and saying, you know what, I think it's time, uh, you know, the army is going to go on without me. So at the end of the day, it's time to start thinking about me and my family and what we're going to do next in that next chapter of life. 
Oh, wow. That's interesting. You know, it's not, you know, it's obviously not extremely unique. That's uh, what a lot of folks end up doing is they, they kind of get whatever tea leaf or signal that happens in their head or, you know, external factors like, hey, I'm going to have to move. Uh, I'm going to have to uproot my family or my family wants to move on. You know, we see a lot of that. Uh, but I like the fact that there was something that you said right in the beginning. It's part of a two-year transition process. Tell me a little bit about that. You decided two years before the exit date or you mean a year? Yes. So I actually, uh, so the uniqueness of my story is, so I actually was on assignment to go to Italy. I was going to take on another OCONUS assignment. So half of my career, I was outside of the country. Um, and so I was going to go back uh, to Europe and uh, I started to kind of just that little seed of doubt of like, is this really where I want to be? And I was going to go back to an airborne assignment, do all these things as first sergeant, so on and so forth. Um, but I ended up uh, saying, you know what, if I'm going to transition and I don't know if I'm going to retire or not, I can't do that for midly because that transition is already hard enough. So to do it outside the country would be even harder. And so I said, well, I'm going to keep myself stateside. So I, you know, I called in some favors and asked some friends and, you know, got my assignment changed. I ended up taking on uh, the ROTC program in the Northeast. Um, and so I took that on. Uh, I knew it was, you know, again, and still a competitive position that kept me in line if I stayed in. Uh, but uh, so this was a year and a half or so before I, you know, kind of. And so that summer I sat down and I kind of just listed it out pros and cons. If I stay in, what am I gaining? You know, if I, what am I losing? Uh, if I get out, what's out there? Uh, you know, what does the job market look like? Talk to everybody. I, you know, I came across some great resources in uh, Vetterelli uh, and just having conversations, you know, that virtual coffee sessions, just talking to, I talked to, you know, the, 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 vice president of talent at Microsoft to the general manager at BP uh, oil and gas. And, you know, just having those conversations because people will genuinely give you 10 or 15 minutes just to bounce theories and thoughts and ideas. And so I took all that information and I tried to make a well-informed decision as to what that would look like. And then once I finally made the call uh, for myself, I sat down with the family, we listed it all out. Um, then we just kind of started the planning process. And, you know, I, put together, you know, there was so much, you know, having been out of the, the work sector for 20 years, there was so much that, you know, we just, we were not exposed to in the military, resumes, interviews, all that other stuff. So I just started mapping out a plan, getting my hands on all the resources I could uh, and leveraging every relationship that I had built in the military for the, even those who had gotten out. I had you know, friends that have just exited within the last two to five years and I called them and said, hey, tell me about your transition. Tell me about your experience and, you know, your lessons learned. And I just try to leverage all that. And so uh, ultimately, it just, you know, continuously kind of built out into a more elaborate plan. And I think probably in the last three months, right before I was scheduled to go on terminal leave, I had like this whole like, uh, I don't want to call it a nervous breakdown, but I was just like, I was panicking. You know, I wasn't getting job interviews. I wasn't, I just, I wasn't. I didn't know if I was marketable, but I just, I realized that networking mattered. I had to make, you know, where I wanted to be and talk to people and uh, get myself in those right circles to people that know my name versus just a piece of paper on a resume. Um, and so that was kind of my, my uh, transition up till um, I went on terminal leave. Wow. 
Wow, that sounds like a pretty comprehensive plan, honestly. I mean, you uh, you started out talking to some industry experts, and I think that that's really, really unique and and good. Um, and you learn some stuff, and then you, you kind of made a plan, and then you get close to it, and it's like, oh, no, <laughs> it's not happening the way I wanted it, right? And no plan survives first contact with the enemy, as we all know. Um, so what are some of those lessons learned that you that you found out, either the easy way or the hard way, um, that, that'll help, you know, active duty to civilian employment. Yeah. So for me, uh, let's see if I can try to summarize some of these, but, um, I definitely had a lot of hard lessons, uh, and there's nothing wrong with, uh, a bit of failure. I, I find growth in failure. Um, but it was definitely, um, expectation management was a big one. Um, you know, I think a lot of us, especially for the retiree side of the house, uh, I know first term, you're only out of the market for, you know, three to five to six years. And, you know, uh, it's not that big of a gap, but for those of us that spent decades out of the civilian market, uh, expectation management was just like a new concept. We'd always had our value kind of validated while we we're in service. And so to now get out and try to prove yourself and, and, and say, Hey, you know, I am value to the team and this is what I bring, but, you know, speaking their language, understanding, you know, we generally do the same things. We just got different terminology around it. So that was one, it was also in salary expectation. Um, so the, the military has a great resource through DFAS where you can do your, uh, personal, uh, finance assessment. You can see how much you're making on an annual basis with all your benefits. And so I thought, you know, in my, uh, kind of generic view or, or infant, uh, thought processes, I thought, well, I got to make that same amount of money, uh, because I don't want to see a, a, a decline in my quality of life or whatever. And so, and I think I was probably making you know, somewhere in the ballpark of around 115,000 a year. So I was like, all right, so that's what I'm looking for a job that makes 115,000 a year. But in the civilian world, 115,000 a year is most people are in those positions for a few years and, you know, they've worked their way from, you know, you can come in with a degree in the higher tiers of the close to a hundred thousand, or you could get lucky and end up over a hundred thousand. But again, I think those are few and far between. But when I started asking people and the number one question I got asked, uh, kind of going through my transition process is what do you want to do? That was the other thing that I really struggled with because I didn't know I had, you know, I, I thought about project management. I thought about uh, business uh, partner. I thought about, you know, I just, I was very kind of uh, underdeveloped in the regard of like exploring these things. I had done tons of research and looking at jobs, but uh, I hadn't really had a meaningful conversation with somebody that was in the roles that I was pursuing until the later part of my transition where I started to say, okay, well, I know these jobs that I want to target now. And I got to start talking to people who are in those industries, watching YouTube and, 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 you know, reading articles and doing all that stuff that gives you a perspective, but having conversations with people who are doing the jobs, um, you know, as an example, I, I targeted a company and uh, I thought it was the, you know, the, that's the skills bridge I wanted to do. That's what it was. I talked to a manager there and they said, well, we're actually on a hiring freeze and, Here's my, I'm actually leaving the company. And I said, interesting. Uh, and so, but again, had I not talked to that person, I would have never known. I'd have walked into that job. Maybe I would have had the same experience. Maybe I would have had a better either, you know, to each of their own on that. But at the end of the day, it was just having those conversations. But for me, it was, I learned about expectation management and salaries in jobs. You know, some jobs, um, 
are, are you know, you've got to have a degree to get in there. You've got to have the certification. Um, and then some jobs you can, you can get in the front door, but you've got to lower your expectation on believing that you're going to walk in the door and make the same amount of money as your manager. Uh, and so that was one. And then um, the other lesson learned was uh, planning, financial planning. That was a big lesson learned. You know, I, I of course like to take the uh, more scenic route in transition. So I moved my family across the country. We, um, you know, everything that we had established where we were at in, in New Hampshire. Uh, and I said, I want to go to Florida because the benefits were obviously better um, in that side of the house. Uh, but I did not plan for the gap of 60 days for your pay to start, your benefits, you know, all this other stuff. So uh, that was another hard lesson learned for me. But I also, like I said, uh, I think a, the biggest blessing for me was uh, I got a career advocate, which I know has been on the show, Katie Garcia. Um, but she she was massive. Um, she called me just out of the blue one day and said, hey, I think I've got a job that you you line up for. Would you be interested? She gave me the particulars. I read about it. I researched it. It wasn't even a job I was targeting, uh, like a role. And it was perfect for what I wanted it uh, to get out and do. Uh, and it allowed me a lot of flexibility, a lot of, um, and it was, a, you know, it was a pretty competitive role to get into. But at the end of the day, uh, it was hugely beneficial and just the right job for me as I got out. That was a, um, a thing I struggled with in my transition was the, um, I kept hearing veterans tell me, just take any job, any mm. job you can get your hand, just get your foot in the door. Don't worry about it. It's not going to bring your dream job. Um, just take a job. And I struggled with that because I was like, I don't, you know, statistically speaking, I looked at the stats and, you know, veterans get out and the first 18 months, they change jobs like three times because they're trying to find their way. They're trying to figure out where they want to be and what type of environment they want to be around. And I said, I don't want to do that. I want to get out. I want to be in a job. Now, you know, maybe this job is 20 years, maybe it's five years either way, but I knew I was walking into a job that I wanted to be in versus a job I just had to accept. Uh, and so those were all kind of hard lessons I learned as I was getting up to transition. Wow. Well, just to recap a little bit, do uh, expectation management on salary, on uh, the financial planning for that transition, because there's a gap. There's always a, you know, just like in a going from mountain range to mountain range, there's a valley in between, right? Yeah. And then uh, you talked about moving. So logistics, right? So you could run into some issues there, but that kind of falls into the financial planning. But then also uh, expectation management on the position that you're going to take. You know, you mm -hmm. don't have to take the first thing that's thrown at you, uh, but it's a lot easier, I guess. I, I understand why people give you that advice. It's like it's easier to uh, make a good decision when you're not worried about where the next meal's coming from. However, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you got all that onboarding and then guess what? You're stuck in a job, you know, potentially for a year that you really don't want, depending on the contract that you sign or whatever else. So, yeah. you know, really good advice all the way around. It's, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The gap, the gap analysis of, Hey, pretend you don't get a paycheck for 60 days. What does that look like for you and your family? I mean, that's a, mm -hmm. that's a really cool, cool nugget of wisdom right there. And then the VA process and benefits, you know, how did that, you know, what did you encounter on that side that you could help somebody with? Yeah. So with that one, uh, I would always encourage, and I, even now I talk to other veterans and I encourage them. Patience is the game when it comes to the VA. It is 
you know, I don't know if it's by design, uh, but it is intended to challenge you on your patience level. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, and I get it, you know, for whatever reason, it's bogged down. It takes months to hear answers back. Everything is, but we can, we can point to a thousand reasons of why it should be more efficient. But at the end of the day, um, I went through the VA system. So I, I had an actual resource. I got lucky. Um, and you know, luck to me is preparation and opportunity meeting at the same past. Right. And so, um, and so, but I had a resource. It was an old team leader of mine who got out, went to work for the VA. Uh, and I called them and I said, Hey, I just want to bounce some ideas off it. And you give me some, some, you know, wisdom or, or knowledge going forward as I get ready to prepare. And so I did before discharge disabilities. Um, and so I did the BDD. I encourage every transitioning service member get into that pot because once you get into the other, you know, millions of veterans, you're going to be, it's going to be way slower. BDD was definitely, I think within 30 days, I had my, my answers. Uh, of me transitioning out. Uh, and that may not be applicable for everyone, but again, it's a pretty good benchmark. Um, but so I called him and I, I, you know, he said, Hey, I've got a resource that's in another state. She's great. Um, on this side of the house, let me put you in contact with her. So I reached out to her and she sent me something as simple as a, like an exoskeleton of a, you know, a human being. And she said, I want you to go head to toe. And I want you to list every single thing that you think is wrong with you. And then I want you to go toe to head and I want you to think about all the things that hurt for one day or bothered you one day. And she said, just remember that you're looking not how you feel today, but how you felt over the course of the last 20 years. And anything that seems abnormal, you know, just just list it and we'll go through it. And I said, OK. And so that's what I did. And then she I logged into the VA portal. I you know, opened up the claims thing and she walked me step by step how to write it what they're looking for, so on and so forth. And then I went from my 12 simple <laughs> claims that I thought, by the time I was done with her, I was up to like 41. Wow. Uh, and so, and she said, you know, because it was, it was things that I didn't think about, you know, like I've got right knee, you know, pain and it hurts. And she said, you have left knee pain. And I said, well, it only hurts every once in a while. She's like, yeah, that's because that knee's compensating for the other knee. And I said, okay. So it was like bilateral knee pain. So now it went from one to, to two areas that had to be examined. She said, let them examine the challenges and let them determine that. That's their job. Your job is to list the things that are wrong with you. And I said, okay. And so I just kind of went through that process. And I got very fortunate. Like I said, just, you know, I had to be patient with it. I had to understand it was a process. And even now, you know, I've, I'm now, what, nine, yeah, nine months out of service. And, uh, I'm still trying to get them to to update my dependents, you know, so I, I've still got a supplemental claim pending, but I'm fine. I'm, I'm drawing my disability. I'm, I'm Everything's good in that regard. And I'm just like, you know what? Just let it play itself out. And either way, the VA will make it up to you on the back end. They always back day. I haven't had a problem with their, their system. So they'll, they'll make things right. It's just going to take them a while to get there. So I would just encourage people when going through the VA claims process, patience is a game. And also just don't give up. Yeah. Um, you know, I've met veterans now being in this company, there's so many veterans here. And one of the veterans said, Hey, I'm at, I'm at 30%. And I said, is that where you think you should be? And then he's like, well, no, but that's what I got when I got out. And I just, I didn't feel like fighting it. I said, then go back. I said, but you're, you're, you're costing yourself not only benefits, uh, you know, once you cross those thresholds of opening up doors to other benefits, 
but you're also costing, you know, the benefits for your family. You know, they, they may benefit off of this. Uh, and so if I understand it's a long fight, but you know, uh, anything good is worth fighting for. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good words. Uh, I like that. I mean, and ultimately, you know, persistence is the game, right? And I like that mm -hmm. patient patience, persistence, and then, you know, a little bit of tenacity, uh, ultimately is not, it's kind of what I sum up what you just said, but, but ultimately, yeah, I, I really agree with the whole head to toe and then toe to toe to head idea. And then not being the macho person that you were in the service and realize, Hey, I didn't go to the doc because I didn't want to let my unit down. Um, mm -hmm. but it does hurt, but I can get through it. You know, I'm, I'm hurt, but not injured kind of theory where it, it's going to hurt when you turn 55, trust me. And it's going to hurt worse when you turn 65. And then by the time you're 75, if you're so lucky, you know, now, now you need care and that's what mm -hmm. you're really setting up. Even a zero rating is a rating and it can okay. get care. So, and like I said, I had plenty of zero ratings. I had a couple of deferreds and I was totally fine with it. Um, uh, it was their, uh, medical assessments, their professionals to figure it out. Um, but I also, you know, one of the doctors I went and saw for the VA, he said, I don't want you to tell me what it's like today. I want you to tell me on its worst day, what it's like. And yeah. I said, okay, got it. And so, you know, he was like, how is your pain level? You know, he's kind of going through this. And I said, it's, you know, today would have been a two now, you know, my worst day, it's a seven, yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that. So again, and those, those matter. Uh, and so just meeting people along the way, asking the questions, being persistent with the VA. I called the VA once a month the whole time I was waiting. I knew they weren't going to have an answer, but I just wanted to keep my name. I wanted to keep the fact that, hey, you know, this this, this sponsor is calling. Uh, and so uh, and again, I think within I think it was actually seven days from the, my official retirement date. I got my first decision letter from the VA. That's really amazing. So that's a really good news story, especially if you do you do your ratings ahead of time and you can get on the lead side of it. You know, I, I was, I wouldn't say fortunate enough, but I happened to get med boarded uh, during my, you know, I had uh, 21 years at the time. So it was, it was still a regular retirement, but because of a med board, you can't separate or retire until you get your rate. Yeah. So. And so, and, and that's the thing that I, you know, talking to veterans now, most of them were such a fast exit. They were just, Hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to get out. And mm -hmm. I say, okay, but you're leaving all these benefits in the, in the wake of which, and there's, I mean, there's just the thing that I have learned after I transitioned is there's a plethora of benefits out there. There are so many, and people say, oh, well, I don't really need that. And I said, you may not need it, but maybe your kids need it. Uh, maybe your your wife you know, or significant other uh, benefits off of it. But at the end of the day, it's also just you don't know you need it now, but when you do need it, it's better to have than to want. Yeah. Uh, and think of all the paperwork, right? You, you've you got all those re military records at your disposal very easily while you're still in. Wait 10 years, like the, the individual you're talking about, 30%. And hey, if you want to go back, it's a lot harder to go get those records. It's a lot more legwork. It's easier up front than down the road. So I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about where you're at now and the company that you're in and the position that you're in and how your uh, military experience translated into the role you're serving today. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm blessed in that regard. So I am currently the organizational learning and development specialist at Embraer, which is an aircraft manufacturer here on the Space Coast. Um, but 
it was the best uh, transition role, for especially for a non-commissioned officer. I mean, our whole lives exist around training and development. Uh, so the structure, um, you know, I just gone through some advanced training at the university of Western Kentucky on the adult learning experience and kind of what that entails. I'd got some, you know, undergraduate certs from them, um, kind of through that process. Uh, and that translated into this role, you know, I, I'm focused on skill development. So I'm teaching people about leadership. Uh, I'm teaching people about effective communication, um, you know, the, the, the list kind of goes on. And I, you know, part of the thing this year, as I cl get close to closing out this year is now I'm writing a whole strategy for 2024. And, you know, most of the colleagues that I'm talking to, they're like, wow, this is like super in depth. And, you know, it's like laid out. I said, well, I know what leaders want. They want predictability. You know, they don't want me to call them and say, Hey, I'm, I'm hosting an event, you know, this month, can you stop everything you're doing and show up for, you know, an hour or three hours or whatever it is. Um, I'm going to lay it all out for them for an entire year and say, you come to me and I'll be there when you need me. Um, but I'm trying to list out and, you know, all of the, I'm identifying organizational gaps. I'm helping leaders to understand where, where we are as an organization. But uh, again, it was just the best role for me to walk into a lot of uh, flexibility and, and taking and leveraging my experience in the military and just, again, changing the terminology and realizing it's it's all the exact same problem sets, uh, same kind of desired outcomes, uh, maybe a different business model because I definitely don't know how to manufacture planes. Uh, I know how to jump out of them, but I don't know how to build them. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, but yeah, so now just teaching them things that I picked up over the last twenty years, I think has been hugely beneficial. Yeah, oh, I can't. I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, I loved how general you kind of kept it was instruction, right? There's not one NCO in the world that has not had to instruct somebody on something. Right? Uh, so you can lean on that uh, communication. I mean, it's a, it's what you do 90% of the time in the military. You're communicating. Uh, and then and then finally, you're talking about using some of your educational stuff and that helped you roll in. So don't overlook getting your education while you're in service today. Yeah. Uh, and I and I'll just to hammer it home that the one that sends it out of the ballpark for me is the long range planning, right? Setting the plans in place to be predictable for leaders is crucially important in both the military. It doesn't mean you're gonna stick with the plan. It just mm -hmm. means you have a plan to break the plan. But if you just go willy nilly, that's uncomfortable and gooey for everybody. Like everybody involved doesn't like that. To include the, the people who are getting the instruction, the people who are paying for the instruction and the people that you want to guest speak at the instruction. So. Uh, well, well said. I mean, that, that's, a uh, that was really, really the, I would, I would add on, on the educational piece. So one of the lessons too, for me was education. You know, I feared, uh, higher academia for a long time, uh, and towards the tail end of my career, I finally jumped on the bandwagon, started going to college courses. Uh, I mean, by all accounts, I was no rock star when I joined the military. It was, I didn't graduate high school. I dropped out. I got a GED, um, you know, in the, that's the reason why part of the reason why I'm so thankful to the military it just gave me an opportunity to do something. And, you know, I was destined for a blue collar, you know, nothing wrong with, you know, uh, laborious work. Uh, but that's where I was headed, no matter what I was going to do. Um, but the, the military gave me an opportunity. And then obviously we get the benefit of education. Uh, I went through there and uh, I was working full time, going to school, just like every other veteran who, who takes on school. But uh, 
you know, and I just completed uh, an undergraduate with a 4.0 GPA. And I tell people it wasn't because I was the smartest person in that class. I just outworked everybody. I was willing to put in an extra hour on a paper or I was willing to you know, spend an, another half hour studying for an exam, whatever it was. Uh, and then now I'm, I'm now, you know, pursuant to uh, going after an MBA. Um, you know, and I've, I've just talked to my wife about project management, you know, getting her progressing forward. And so we're just continuously trying to, to, to grow and evolve and learn uh, every single step of the way. Uh, I think that's another thing for me was, you know, you never stop learning. You never stop growing. Uh, okay. The moment you get complacent, uh, then you'll end up getting stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Re retirement is to experiment, you know, so yeah. I've always, I've always heard that, but I know a good uh, project management company. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we weasel that in there for a little plug, but that's really cool. I think that the, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's it's really definitely in the academia of uh, higher education. It is not intelligence. It's perseverance. It's work mm -hmm. ethic. It is being setting aside time for things that matter. You know, you always find time for the things that matter to you whether it's watching TV, going out to eat, playing sports, or higher education. What you make time for, you'll find time for. So uh, I, I think that's wildly important to emphasize you're not too dumb. If you're listening out to this out in MTA Nation, you are not too dumb to start school tomorrow. You know, it's just- I have a way shape form. Yeah, too cool. All right. So as we wrap this up, I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to, you know, top tips and tricks that you might give for a tactical advantage on the military transition that we didn't talk about. And then secondly, if you've got anything like a, a book or anything that you helped as a resource that you could say, hey, if you read this or you watch this video or you do this, uh, it's going to be helpful tomorrow. Yeah. So top tips and tricks. Uh, one, um, leverage as many relationships and I guess a set of eyes when it comes to resume development. Um, you know, it's, everybody's got an opinion on what a resume should or could look like. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you truly do have to tailor your resume to every position you apply for, uh, because you want to put your best foot forward because that's your first impression and first impressions matter. Um, the other thing is again, leveraging past relationships, current relationships, future relationships, um, talk to as many people as humanly possible. I think I was pleasantly surprised by the amount of people who are willing to give you 10 or 15 minutes of their time. And I mean, everything from, you know, uh, early entry level managers all the way up to very top senior executives I talk to. And of course, they have their own different viewpoints and perspectives. But again, that wealth of knowledge and just perspective uh, is uncanny, especially as you get into some of these hiring process interviews and you have the ability to think both at the organizational level, strategic level, and at the direct uh, operational levels. Uh, and so being able to articulate that being, you know, on your feet, I guess, sort of speak. Uh, as far as like literature to read, I don't have any real big uh, like game changing, uh, you know, books out there that I, I took hold in. Uh, I would say, the One Minute Manager and the Monkey was a, a profound book to me. Just taught me about uh, taking on too much and, and passing. Uh, you know, often as a leader, we we start taking on the task of our employees. Uh, but it was it was a short read. It's like ninety seven pages, and it was it was like I summarized the last seven years of my 
leadership experience into 97 pages because I remember saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to help you out. Don't worry about it. And then I would have that same subordinate come back to me and say, hey, you know, first of all, are you done with that? And I'm like, it's your task. I'll, you know, I'm trying to help you out. But it was it was a great resource. Uh, so it, it helped me kind of think about task prioritization and how I was going to look at it and how to ban it. And then planning. I can't express, you know, how important planning is. Plan for every possible contingency you can think of. Just don't don't become emotionally invested when things don't go the way you want them to go. Uh, it's fine. Everything happens for a reason. Uh, there's a resource out there. Uh, if, if you don't have one, call me. I'll 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 help you out in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and then obviously lend a helping hand to any veteran you can be in and around. Um, it is a community of people. Uh, from every branch of service, I've met some amazing human beings that I obviously never interacted with, but we served generally around the same time zone, spaces. Uh, you know, we we're just uh, either a few blocks away or a few hundred miles away. But at the end of the day, uh, help each other out uh, and then, you know, focus on having a good transition and, and don't look back. Just, you know, keep, keep looking forward and uh, eventually you'll get to where you want to go. Yeah. Burn the boats. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so very cool. And I usually don't do a whole lot of follow-up uh, questions after that one, but yeah, no there's there's one thing I want to, I mean, when you called these executives or, you know, even senior managers or even junior managers, did you have like a list of questions or like standard questions you wanted to ask them so that one, you asked them all the same and you got different perspectives or two, you just wanted it to be supernatural? So I did have some templated questions that were not all the same. They were very tailored to the person, their position, their role, or where I where I researched their role and responsibility. Some of it was clarifying questions. Um, I will say one of the better resources, too, that I, I, I forgot to mention, and I can't believe I did, um, but I utilized a resource, and basically they taught me about utilizing LinkedIn as a strategic approach to everything. Uh, LinkedIn Learning is a great tool. Uh, it shouldn't be uh, misutilized because obviously it'll use it, it'll lose its luster and its its platform. But um, I started to just use the search bar, identify people in that organization, identify people who either had a link through veterans um, because I knew they they had a family member or they they help with nonprofit veteran organizations, whatever that looked like. I also leveraged states that I'd lived in or, or been a part of or, or anything, anything that could connect us. Uh, and I just sent them a very basic message. And I just said, hey, I'd love five to 15 minutes of your time, just a, a general conversation about your role and responsibility, uh, about your journey into getting to where you are, especially those senior level uh, managers or, or executives. And most of them, I would say 80% of them gave me a response and said, hey, uh, love to meet with you. Let's put something on the schedule and let's make it happen. The ones that couldn't either just were time consumed, their schedules were too crazy. And they said, hey, but anything I can do for you later on, you know, hit me up in three to five months. And, I'll, and, I, and some of them I absolutely followed up with. But I started using LinkedIn as a strategic approach to talking to them. But I did uh, I did pre-template some questions for them just to kind of drive the conversation to make sure that I respected their time that they allocated and invested in me. So I wanted to make sure that I asked questions because I had a goal. I wanted to understand what the job entailed. What was the expectation from the hiring manager perspective? I wanted to understand 
what was the impact on the organization? Uh, what were the growth opportunities out there? Uh, what could I expect uh, in salary uh, as you kind of in entry level to senior level roles? Uh, and then anything and everything they were willing to share along the way. Uh, so I often just ask them if there was one piece of advice you could offer to anybody who was going to, you know, uh, vibe for your job one day, what would you tell them? And that was normally how I kind of closed out those conversations. And, and again, it was hugely beneficial. I mean, I've got a whole notebook of just random notes of just people I've talked to all over the country, everywhere in any way, shape or form. And they weren't in industries that I targeted. They were, all, they were literally all over the spectrum. Uh, so I didn't have a very, you know, singular approach. I also, uh, I stayed away from the department of defense intentionally. Uh, I knew it was a, an easy win for me. I could go to the Department of Defense. It was, you know, like-minded people, government contracting, mostly veterans. Uh, and But I wanted to see, could I do it outside of what the Department of Defense offered? Um, and so um, I purposely did that. And I purposely targeted people outside of that uh, because I wanted to see the perspective of others. Oh, too cool. Like uh, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like I said, I, I was blessed. It worked out for me. Um, and I think anybody's capable. It's just time, energy, effort. Yeah, I like it. Uh, as we wrap this up, you you maybe offered up for people to contact you. What's the best way to contact you? Uh, yeah, so reach out to me uh, through my personal Gmail, which is robert.a.wagner00 at Gmail. Um, the, let's see, my phone number, 352-870-2831. Uh, and I'm located in Florida. So, and I'm also, like I said, I got, I got a computer, so I'll have virtual coffee with anybody. Uh, you know, I'll share same, same advice or more advice if they've got pointy questions. Uh, I've probably got some other lessons learned that I didn't get out today, but at the end of the day, like I said, if I can give, if I can affect one veteran a day, it's a win for everyone. So. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I like it. Thank you for tuning in and spending a bit of time with us at the Military Transition Academy powered by Vets to PM. If we piqued your interest, but you want more details, please head over to the website vets2pm.com and see if we can help prepare you for a better tomorrow or a future meaningful and lucrative career.